All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackford, at NBA Blackford on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. And I am very excited to be joined by a special guest. She is a contributor, a correspondent for Clutch Points Now, doing great work for the Denver Nuggets side of things at Clutch and Clutch Points. It is Jenna Garcia at Vida Viva Diva on Twitter. Make sure to go give her a follow over there. Uh, Denna, what's up, bro? How are you? Man, I am hyped. I'm having a great time these last few days just taking in what we've accomplished. Finally, the Nuggets are, like, getting some of that respect that they deserve. Exactly, right? It, it's been a while. It's been a long time coming. Pretty clear that uh, Denver has needed this for a while, and then they, they've had to go a long time. Five long years of, of being pretty successful, but not like not so successful that, that people could feel like they they had to talk about them. Now you have to. It's a requirement. They're in the NBA Finals. They are one of two teams that is playing an NBA for an NBA Finals and, and will, but got to wait for the Boston Celtics and Miami Heat to finish up, of course. Got to finish up uh, that series. I'm sure we have some takes on that. And I talked about it a little bit last night after they played their game, but you have some takes, I know, on the Heat. We'll, we'll make sure to get to all of that for sure. Um, we'll also make sure to get to Carmelo Anthony and and the retirement ceremony that he will probably have. Uh, we, we haven't heard any plans on that front. So I have no doubt that eventually uh, things are going to happen and, and that Denver's going to make some things work with Carmelo Anthony. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in the second segment. But we were both at media availability for the Nuggets in, in today. And it's the first time that they've really spoken since uh, – since Monday night, where you, you win the conference finals, you sweep the Los Angeles Lakers, and it's such a big deal to be able to do that and to be able to say that. So uh, just just your perspective, I guess, uh, about these last few days and, and what the team looked like and kind of felt like after after that, that big-time moment for them. Yeah, I was a little worried that maybe they'd celebrate too much like for not for us, right? Because we understand exactly why it means so much to these guys, to this franchise, to the fan base, to each of us right. who have been there for like five years, kind of growing with this team in a similar way in our own career. So like, it means so much to everyone. But you know they're gonna get the Pat Beverly treatment, you know, from Lakers fans. You know that like the main media is gonna be like, oh, now the Nuggets are crying or over celebrating too much after they cried about not getting enough attention. So it's like, I was a little bit worried, like, watching the ceremony. Because I was gone, Ryan. I loved <laughs> it. I went, to the, I went to the watch party, and I just enjoyed myself as a fan as opposed to, you know, covering it in media. You're sitting there. You're really paying attention to the game. You're taking it in, but you're not necessarily, like, cheering or enjoying yourself so much. And I let myself enjoy that sweep. It was a lot of fun. It's it's really enjoyable to be able to to experience that. And you and I talked before this just about being able to experience it partially as a media member, but also partially as a fan, because that's kind of how we all grew up. That's how we all got into this business in the first place. And for some, they're able to they're able to kind of cut that off eventually. Like like I know Kevin O'Connor has has talked about this about he was a Celtics fan. Now he's not really a Celtics fan. And We'll see whether that actually changes in, in the NBA Finals if the Celtics actually come back from 3-0. But I, I do think that 
Like there, there's going to be a lot of folks, especially folks that say that they are unbiased media members that will probably show up as biased on this and then be able to like they, they'll enjoy it. They'll enjoy all these moments. And, and honestly, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's kind of human nature to just be able to enjoy this moment, especially for a Nuggets franchise that's never been here before. Yeah, absolutely. I think they deserve to enjoy it. I, from my understanding, they took the day off. I know a couple of the guys went um, golfing. And then Bruce was at the Rockies game that I also was at. I just happened yeah. to keep being at games and places these people are. But uh, Bruce was enjoying himself in an empty Rockies stadium where like, him and me and 10 other people were sitting. But you still can't sit in the lower seats, Ryan. Okay? Even still if it's can. empty. Not allowed. Unless you buy a ticket for those seats. But $1 entry, I mean, it's a good time. So... Uh, Bruce enjoyed himself. He chugged a Jack and Coke on camera uh, on the big Rocky screen. Yeah, Bruce is a dog, man. Like he, he chugged the Jack and Coke. He was on the Dan Levitard show yesterday. I mean, he's he's actually pretty dope. And, and guess what? Worth talking about. Go figure. Very like, hey, some some for some reason he's he's a compelling storyline. He's like he's a compelling figure. Very interesting yeah. and, and, and interesting to talk about. There's no doubt. Uh, but yeah, uh, J.K. Wallace here says, a man of the people. <laughs> like that, That's right. Dude, like we were, we were just talking about this right before. And like he, he says a lot. He is, he is not like buttoned up in terms of what he's actually willing to say, what he's actually willing to do. He's a little bit abrasive. Uh, but like that's, that's why a lot of people love him. He just is very, he is very much a, a uh, perfect player to root for as a fan. I would say. Yeah. Um, let's now get into some of the talk from the day. We don't spend too much time on this because I know I want to spend some more time on, on the mellow stuff, but uh, practice notes, practice quotes. There are definitely some things that came out of this media availability. I'm like, Hmm, that's, that's interesting. That's a, that's an interesting thing I hadn't really heard before. And the first comes from Bruce Brown. We, we heard this and he had talked about this previously. Did you want to expand a little bit about what he said and just talking about his own previous free agency and kind of what his expectations versus what actually happened. Yeah, he was talking about last summer how the rumors were that he had a lot of options, that he had a lot of people, teams that were interested. And he actually said specifically he hadn't proven that he could play guard. Right? He was used in different ways in Brooklyn that really couldn't back up his opinion that he could play point guard or, or, or a two guard even. And obviously he's had that opportunity here in Denver, which you got to think has elevated now his free agency this summer. People are probably kicking themselves. You know, there's some GMs out there just like, how did we not pick up Bruce Brown? He was literally out there for two days, which I guess he said, and Malone also seems to think like was a long time for Bruce to be out there. Um, and yeah, I'm just glad that he got to sign with us, but I think he's going to be expensive next year. Oh, there's no doubt. Like, I, I don't know which team is going to find a way to pay him, but some team is going to find a way to pay Bruce Brown. That dude has earned it. Like, he's earned this money. He's earned this opportunity for sure. And and what that's actually going to look like from a contract perspective, I, I don't really know. But I what I do know is that Denver, the max that they can actually offer him is not very much. And he he talked about that a little bit. And, and he actually talked about that in, in this. Just has said he hasn't thought about free agency this summer, but... Uh, Malone actually asked him about his contract of practice, apparently, according uh, according to uh, to what Bruce said today. And, uh, 
right. practice. That's that's pretty interesting to me that Michael Malone already kind of laying the groundwork in terms of please, Bruce, please come back. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the Levitard show was begging him to join the Heat too, so mm. we really, I don't know. I think he's going to be a hot commodity in this off season. Now he he's proven that he can kind of do everything. He's the exact kind of player that a lot of these teams want. Like yeah. he, he's the he's the rare guard, I think, that can handle the ball, that can do a little bit of shooting. Not a, not a ton of shooting, but when he's open, he'll shoot. And he's not being taken advantage of defensively in a lot of these games and a lot of these cases. Like so many guards, they are watching in these playoffs. Teams are picking on them. Teams are picking on that weak link. And Bruce being six four, six three, whatever he is, but like having long arms, being physical, being aggressive. Like he's one of the rare guys that can actually hold up in that situation. It makes the playoffs just perfect for him. So uh, him taking a personal last year, not getting a big contract offer. I, I think that he's going to get that big contract offer this time around, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Good we'll see what him. actually happens. Um, let's go to Jamal who I thought it was a little bit more mellow. He was definitely interesting and insightful in this one, but a little bit more mellow. There was actually one that I wanted, like this one in particular was was pretty fascinating. But one of the other questions was, uh, it was about the Rui Hachimura adjustments and him reacting to that, which that was pretty funny. What, what, do, you, what do you recall from, from that particular moment today? <laughs> oh, man. He said he wanted to make a joke. Right. Yeah. Yep. And I, I don't know. I want to get your thoughts on what, what joke you thought he was going to make, but probably something around like Joker's stat line from the night. Right. Yeah. Or, or something. Cause it's <laughs> like, yeah, we did do better on him than Anthony Davis did, but I don't know if that like says all that much about. Jokic as much as it does about your two defenders over there. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, it, <laughs> it, I think the funniest aspect of it is that they could not defend him one-on-one with Anthony Davis. So yeah. they're like, okay, let's get Rui Hachimura on him. Like, right. It's hilarious. That That is a hilarious thing that a team has to do when you're when you're trying to cover Jokic with somebody like that. And Jokic is just – he's unstoppable, and there's no doubt about that. Uh, but that was – that to me was pretty funny. I, I, I He was – Trying to make it, it's kind of like his brother, I've got 47, uh, quote right. that he had to Vic Lombardi, which was, that was hilarious too. Uh, but there, there's just a lot. Jamal, Jamal's a little bit of a troll. He, he likes playing the part of troll, I think a little bit, it, just in terms of, I, I'm going to, I'm going to dig a little bit at your weaknesses and see what, see what you're sensitive about and then pick at it for the rest of the game and the rest of the series. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he can talk. Oh. Oh yeah, that dude. That dude. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> so, like, the funniest one was when Jokic hit that hit that shot, and I don't think that Jamal had enough time, like, in that game four to actually say anything to the Lakers bench. But he just looks at, like he's standing right there. Yeah. Shot goes in and just turns around and looks at them and yeah. appreciates the level of like dismay that that's yes. on their faces, and like, he's just like, "Yep." That's that's what it's all about. Just right there. Just enjoying it. <laughs> right. Like, y'all didn't want to believe me. Didn't. A- absolutely not. Um, also said uh, today, there there was a question that was asked about, hey, are you or not upset, but like, are you trying to go for the NBA Finals uh, MVP trophy? And because right. he didn't get the Western Conference Finals MVP. He did have a legit claim 
Tons yeah. of Joker made some of those crazy shots at the end of this last game and then hit the game winner in, in this last game in game four. But uh, Jamal says, quote, we're just trying to win a championship. If you win a championship, everybody eats. And that was, was part of his entire sentiment, too, of like, hey, this team is a team. They're not it's not just Jokic. And he's he's pushed back on that a lot. He, he loves and respects Joker, but he knows that you can't win with just one person. Right. Yeah. No. And they wouldn't be here without Jamal. Like, to be quite frank. I've been doing comparing his numbers with Michael Jordan's seventh season. So MJ's seventh year, seventh season in the league is 91. The first year that they win a championship, the first year he overcomes his conference finals as well. So his first ever finals appearance, similar situation to Jamal and very similar numbers. Like yeah. Everybody go do their research. Very similar numbers. One thing that MJ does a little bit more by the time he gets to the finals is he's cranking up his rebounds a bit more than Jamal has. Jamal's like sitting five or five or six a game, which is pretty good. Like he's averaging five or six a game. Um, but I mean, MJ was like averaging 11 a game in that final. So it's going to have to crank that up a little bit. to get And and especially for like this lineup, like Jokic is grabbing so many rebounds and Michael Porter is grabbing so many rebounds and Aaron Gordon six, eight. So like, it's not a surprise to me in, in any stretch that Jamal would probably be. I don't know if he's the third leading rebounder or the fourth leading guy, but it's like he's the fact that he's even in that conversation is, is I think, a pretty impressive feat. Like yeah. having over five rebounds on, on this team is it's pretty good, but it just shows some good hustle. But um, some interesting stuff from Jamal there. Uh, then Michael Malone. We'll, we'll wrap up with Malone. I thought that this sentiment was really funny. Uh, just the shot missed. The buzzer went off. Holy shit, we won. <laughs> that was that was his uh, his direct quote after well, was, after game he, four. He was saying it about like the fact that they didn't blow the whistle mm-hmm. because LeBron has the ball in his hands, and whether you think it was a foul or not a foul, LeBron gets that call. Like every one of us, everybody in the chat right now, tell the truth. I know each of you thought they were going to blow that whistle. I thought they were going to call the foul. They've called mm-hmm. softer things. Oh yeah, like I was shocked they didn't call it. And you know what? Check check the two minute report. Correct non call, like like Coach Malone said in the presser, and that's what he was talking about. That's why he was so shocked. He was like, "I think more than anything, not just that it was like, yes, they won, they won, but also that they didn't have that whistle blown right there." He. It's not a surprise to me either, though, that he's kind. Of, he's one of those guys that gets so caught up in the moment that he didn't allow himself to think about okay, if he misses this shot, then they actually win the series. Like, I, I have to imagine that he's very much like, okay, we have to get this one stop and then we'll think about everything else after that. And then his brain processed it like, oh, we're, we we won now. Like, the series yeah. is over. <laughs> that's that's crazy. So it, it was a really cool moment for sure. Yeah. And I don't think he would, I don't, I mean, I'm not sure. He said like, something about it being the fourth game too. So I think, you know, like there was a chance that they could win one. Yeah. No, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And then we've got some comments in here that I agree with you for sure. Definitely thought that uh, LeBron was getting that whistle. Okay. Uh, they blew that whistle every other time. Why wouldn't <laughs> I think it at that moment? It's like, that's, that's completely fair. Yeah, totally <laughs> so, fair. Totally, totally fair. Well, I expected right that too. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very true. Um, uh, Oh, two, a couple more thoughts on Malone. This this one I think stands out for sure. It's I, I know that my quotes were were very 
like my mentions were blowing up because of this one and people were attacking Bones Island in my in my mentions for this one. Um, Michael Malone said, quote, today, uh, where guys don't fit into the culture, they're not here anymore. Uh, dot, dot, dot. If you're going to win at a high level, you can't have any any distractions. And look, he wasn't just talking about Bones, people. Like I, I, I want to make that very clear that it wasn't just about Bones Highland. Now, that's a very high profile example from this season. But you could go back to Yusuf Nurkic. You could go back to Jordan McRae, who was they, they traded for back in 2020 and decided, nah, it's not actually what we want. So that's not actually what makes sense for our team. And that, that he was eventually gone. Uh, there's a lot of guys over the years that are like, hey, you, you didn't fit into the culture. You didn't want to uh, buy into this vision that we have. Yeah, we have to move on. And I, I think that Bones was just kind of the, the one that caught the crossfire here. But it is interesting to think about Denver's culture and, and Michael Malone being a big part of that and how this is the reason that they won. It's not it, It's not the other way around. It's part of the culture for sure. And I I have to think that Bones was just kind of like the tip of the iceberg or like the, the final straw, you know, because there were other guys that were frustrating, like Bull Bull was on the team. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Michael Porter Jr. has been frustrating for Michael Malone, you know, with, in his first few seasons. So, like, there were other guys that he felt like he was, you know, not to, like, make it. I don't think it was a slight of Bones. I think he was yeah. more speaking about, like, his culture for the team. They're very locked in. Jamal comments on it, too, you know, saying that they want no distractions. They just want to focus on them and what they're doing right now. Um, so I don't think he was trying to dig at Bones, but, you know, there were maybe even digging at somebody else, you know, in the front office who made those decisions to bring those guys in, made decisions to bring in consistently offensive-minded guys who were not great at defense. And Malone loves defense. And now why would you do something like that? Let me just pull off, pull off my best Brian Windhorst impression. Why would they do that? Why, why would he say that? Uh, so, no, you're right. Like there, there's, there's something to it. And, it's a good thing that Calvin Booth has has brought in the right people, brought in the right. right. Keep your third eye open, you know. Yeah, That's third eye open, baby. That's a <laughs> shout out to B-Ball Illuminati guys. That's yeah. a, that's a good one right there. Uh, anything else that you want to talk about from the pressers before we take a break? Hmm. Nope. Perfect. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about Mello. We're going to talk about. Uh, the impending retire the retirement and the impending uh, ceremony, or, and hopefully the the ceremonies that that will come from this. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at SuperBook Sports. Bring that big bet energy this summer with SuperBook. They are the most trusted name in sports betting, and right now you can use promo code Mile High to score up to two hundred and fifty dollars with their first bet bonus. Uh, just make sure uh, to sign up and they will match win or lose. Uh, they'll, they'll match win or lose your $250 up to $250 with promo code MILEHIGH. Simply visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app, which you can find in app stores. Doing a lot of great things over there at Superbook. Just make sure to enter the promo code MILEHIGH and you'll get $250 courtesy of Superbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-522. 4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll.
Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here, joined by the esteemed Jenna Garcia. Thank you so much for taking your time. Uh, having a good time here to chat about a lot of stuff and then just talking about practice today. But now we've got to talk about uh, one of Jenna's favorite players of all time. Uh, probably the, the player that really helped you become a Nuggets fan, I, I have to imagine. Carmelo Anthony, right? Carmelo Anthony. Man. It hurts me when I see all this Carmelo slander out on the internet, you know, because he was like the Jokic of a generation. And I looked up the the numbers and it's hilarious how different those two guys are. Hilarious. I'm going to get into that. But um, he still was like an elite shooter, an elite scorer, three level scorer, could score any bucket you asked him to get in that way him and joker are kind of similar you know like joker can get a bucket wherever on the court he probably looks way different doing it but that's carmelo (laughs) carmelo was a bucket himself you know like i loved him i loved his game i mean like most women basketball players back in my day when i was in like middle school carmelo was dope you know like uh, he had all the headbands. He brought culture to Denver too. Like just like yeah. before AI got here, like Mello was here. There was headband Mello, and you know I loved his braids. Just everything about him, I thought he was so cool. I had a Syracuse fan in the family, so I was influenced a little bit there. And he was like, "No, he's really good. You got to watch him." So you know, I started watching him play, and I just loved him. When he came to Denver, I was like, "Okay, I'm sold." I'm totally bought in on these nuggets. I love this player. And it wasn't just Melo that was like so much fun to watch in that era. You know, it's the team. Uh, sure. it, there were a lot of guys in that group that were fun collectively. You know, Kmart, Camby, Earl Boykins, like before AI, Chauncey. Um, so there was so many fun guys to watch. And absolutely at a point in my life when I was finally getting into basketball. I'm glad that he's retiring. Like, I think it's, even though everyone thought he was retired like two years ago, I knew he was still playing. And so, you know, it was nice to see him do that little video. And I thought it was really cool to like put the spotlight on his kid because I can't imagine how much pressure it is to just be an NBA player, let alone be one as great as your dad and then constantly be compared to him. So I actually thought it was kind of cool that he like passed the buck to his son and was like, let's focus on you now. You know, I don't need to be the spotlight anymore. Good for you, Mello. You know, so at some point he wrestled with ego, right? And <laughs> maybe got a better grasp on it now. So, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But he was a different type of player. Like, I don't think he could, like, in today's NBA, he's just, he's not efficient. Like, high volume shooter. I think know. he probably would have figured, figured out a way. Like, there, there's, there's part of it that, he grew up a lot on Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and, and right. really idealized those guys in a lot of different ways. And he he's one of the disciples, I think, of that group where I think of DeMar DeRozan as somebody who probably not like definitely not as talented as Mello, not not the same level of talent as him, but has found a way to flourish even in the modern NBA by but- doing some other stuff. Right. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. Even including DeMar, the three people that you named all play defense. Yeah. And Melo didn't, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I did see him like down in defensive stance. 
There's some pictures. There's some pictures that talk of him right? being in a stance. There's evidence of that somewhere, right? On the internet. Please tell me there is. I hope there's got to be like one picture out there. But uh, he wasn't a very good defender. He didn't put the work in. He could have been a great defender, but I don't think he really put the work in. And that's a big difference, you know, to those other guys that you mentioned and why I think they're a different tier. Yeah. And like, that, it is what it is. Like he, he probably will never reach that level, but he was on the NBA top 75 team. He's one of the most impactful players of the modern era. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And he yeah. has some great moments. He, he has some great moments, both in his Nuggets uniform, but also in his basketball career. Uh, just focusing on on the Nuggets side of things, like his battles with Kobe over the course of this this era were awesome, as were his battles with LeBron James. When those guys come up and like those guys were going back and forth with each other for a long, long time. And like those were Melo's best years were when he was battling LeBron and going toe to toe with them. That was always really that was really cool. That was really fun. I remember the game where they both had like 40, 45 points and like LeBron hits a, a game winner and then Melo hits the game winner right back. Like that's just kind of how it was. Yeah, no, he was so much fun to watch. So dynamic, kind of like um, watching just like Steph or somebody like that from the next generation, you know, Steph, KD's kind of same generation, similar feeling, you know, but you're just mesmerized by how clean their shot is and how they can get their bucket wherever they want. Like, ah, uh, man. He was he was awesome to watch. I fully started like watching the NBA and really caring about the Nuggets right at the tail end of Melo's tenure. And then I remember the exact place where I was when Melo got traded. I was in I was in the park, not the park, in the driveway of my aunt and uncle's house. And it was the first time that smartphones were really a thing and internet was really a thing on a phone. And and somebody pulls out their smartphone. It's like, did you know that Carmelo just got traded? I'm like Oh, it finally happened because it had been such a long thing. And this is like the only thing that had been going on at that point. And it was, it was, it was a painful time. It was a painful time as a Nuggets fan at that point, but that's really when I first got started. So I never really, I never really adopted mellow uh, before that. And, and the only other times that I had really appreciated him were when Denver was battling against him and when he struggled winning in Denver, I don't know if he's ever actually won a game in Denver yet. Like I, maybe he has, but uh, maybe I think he maybe. finally got one with like Portland. Oh yeah. 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 Now yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. It was like, but it doesn't count because it's not like he was playing, you know, it's not like the same thing as like, well, he, he, was okay. was like he, was, he was not, it wasn't like, Hey, I'm a superstar in that time, but he, he yeah. made he buckets and he was getting buckets all the way up until, until he wasn't, uh, wasn't in the NBA anymore. So that's he definitely true. had that. And there were definitely a lots of, Lots of things there, but it, it was tough. It was tough for me, like not like not trying to say it's tough for me. Oh my gosh! But it just in terms of I was never on the mellow train as many Nuggets fans were, and I never had my heart broken in the way that many Nuggets fans I think felt. So trying to be sensitive to both sides of it, where on your side of things you're like, hey, like I love mellow. I, I appreciated his his journey with the Nuggets, bringing stuff that like I never appreciated because I was like 12. Like I, I just never like fully understood it. And I was never, uh, never really understood what I was watching at that point. 
Uh, but no, yeah. he clearly meant a lot to like bringing actual basketball culture to the city. And like, it's, it's been a, like people call it a dusty old cow town still. Like they, that's what they still call Denver, which that's Hilarious. unfortunate and probably not true anymore, but it was true for a long time until Mello got there. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. He was getting buckets and this man is like a couple days away. His birthday is the 29th. So yeah. you're a real Mello fan. You're going to lock in. Make sure you tweet at him. Happy birthday. But he's going to be 39 on the 29th. Holy shit. So That's like, crazy. he was getting buckets, you know, he's a little bit older than LeBron. Um, probably like same year, but you know, months or something like that. But I did compare the two uh players like just looking at some of their stats and stuff and obviously joker's way more efficient but the one stat that really stood out to me was i want you to guess how many triple doubles carmelo anthony had in his career in his whole career wow well he didn't pass the ball that much that's for sure um but i mean he probably had 10 assists at least a few times so i'm gonna guess one or two Two. Man, I was Two I'm right on. Triple double. Right in on. His entire <laughs> career. And you're right. Like I don't have his basketball reference page pulled up on here on my phone. I had it on, on the iPad, but I think he his like uh career high assist was like eleven. Mm. Eleven. So he hit eleven one game, you know? Um and his career rebounds weren't even that high either. So, you know, he definitely would not have fit in. To the current culture that's in the Nuggets uh, locker room. Yeah, but I also think that players change and players evolve. And like to me, yeah. he seems like a player that like he grew up doing that, and so and it got him so much success. And then he was the, the he wanted to be that style of player, and he was able to have some success. And obviously, you go to a Western Conference Finals with the Nuggets in No Nine. Uh, he had a nice series in. Uh, 2013, I believe it was either 2013 or 2014 with the Knicks getting traded to the Knicks. And like he had some, he's had some great moments for sure. Uh, the two that really stand out though are non NBA moments to me. Like it's, it's winning the championship at Syracuse and, and just being the most dominant force in college. Uh, and then and I think it's 08, 08 uh, Olympic team, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah Team USA. That was an awesome, awesome uh, tournament for him. He played incredible. Uh, and he was just like, lights out, lights out, you know? And I don't know if he just felt the boost, like it's I'm with all my boys and we're, you know, going to take on these other countries that clearly have not developed basketball for nearly as much time as America, where we care way too much about it. Right. But I love, I mean, I care way too much about it. But, you know, he actually did perform really well in that in that tournament um, at the Olympics, and then I agree with you. Syracuse was probably bigger than anything that he did in his career. He did win the scoring title, I think, 2012-13 series season. Yeah. So um, he was in New York by then, though. So it was like it's hard mm-hmm. to adopt that, you know. Like it's hard to it's hard to claim that if you're a Nuggets fan just yeah. watching that. Especially because by that, that's like the first couple, that's the second year he's there, you know? Yeah. Second season he's there. So he's uh, really like, it's still, you know, soft. They're yeah. still sensitive about it at that point. So yeah, not not very cool. I was kind of pissed about it. I do remember him getting it in New York and being like, 
I want to be happy for you, but you could have done that in Denver. It would have been nice. It would have been nice. Yeah. And, and like, I, I think he may have some regret at, at some point. Like he, he wanted to do this for his career. He, I know, I know Lala had, had a lot of influence on his decision with wanting to go to New York or LA as well. And yeah. and that's, that's no natural. Like that's, Hey, you, you want your family to be happy. Shocker. Like that seems, that seems pretty reasonable. So I'm not, I, I would never bemoan him for that if I were for actually like criticizing the decision, but, but no, he just, he does seem like he's pretty satisfied that never actually got the championship, but I think hoodie mellow became a thing. Uh, Olympic Mello became a thing. Like Syracuse Mello became a thing. Like he's had a lot of different moments where you could say he made an impact in on this generation for sure. And uh, he deserves to be remembered that way. And I I think he will be remembered that way, but uh, he'll also probably be remembered for some of the reasons that you cited as uh, like maybe not being as good as LeBron, maybe not being as good as Jokic. And that's going to be, it's going to be tough to reconcile for a lot of people. Are you thinking they hang both, both jerseys? That's a good question. And there's, I, I think that they will. I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't hang up both of those jerseys in the rafters. It would be nice if they did two different colors on yep. the jerseys and, and make sure that, hey, you get the baby blues for Mello and you get whatever classic one like for Jokic during this era. Like you don't want to just have a like a, a bland 15 Mella or 15 right. Anthony, 15 Jokic. Like I, yeah, I think no. you could do better than that if you're the Nuggets. 100% Like you might as well because like when you think of Mello, you think of the baby blues. You think of yeah. those, those jerseys and that color and like his like his braids, honestly. That's what I think of when I think of Mello in a Nuggets uniform like that. So Actually, Ryan, that reminds me. I was searching right before we got on because I was a little bit late. Um, for a photo of myself when I first started playing basketball, right? So it's probably like between sophomore and junior year of high school. Sure. We went up to camp in Montana and first day of camp, I break my nose. Nice. Girl, I set a trap right at the half court line. My coach, we set it one, we do it for the play before and we don't do it well enough. So our coach called timeout. She rips my ass, man. She was just like, uh, you're running slow. She always telling me I'm slow. So I go, she's like, you're going to run it again. This time, make sure your feet are like, you know, crossed over with your teammate who's setting the trap for you. Otherwise, he'll break through the middle. So we set it. We run it perfectly. This girl turns her elbow, sweat, smacks me in the nose, and I break my nose. I have two black eyes. And that entire camp, I, I couldn't go home because my parents were in Mexico at the time. And I, so I was just like high on medicine from the doctor. I lost so much blood. Like it was crazy. I had two big circles and I just was so hopped up on all my meds that I had all these head, like a headband, baby blue, yeah, baby blue, baby yellow, like other baby blue wristbands. And I had this big mellow tee on and I walked around the entire place. Uh, like the entire tournament like that. And I just kept telling people that I played like mellow, but I didn't play like mellow at all. And my face <laughs> was just broken. I was just high, but I was trying to find this picture and I couldn't find it for you. Yeah. And, you know, but I did grab another one. That's pretty funny. Since it's my birthday and everything, I got a birthday pick from another birthday here. I love it. Way long ago. And I have a mullet. So y'all can. Oh, hell it. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. That is pretty adorable. Bad. So, yeah, 
I was like, well, I didn't find the mellow one, but I'll show them this embarrassing because that was really embarrassing. You know, I wanted to do a little self-deprecation on here. That's awesome. No, no, that's great. And those are, I, I was, I was going to tell the audience at the end that it was your birthday today. And just oh, so, no. every, everybody go wish Jenna happy birthday in the comments for sure. <laughs> that's, uh, that is amazing. Uh, so funny. So freaking funny. Uh, what a, what a shot. That's a, <laughs> like sometimes, sometimes just, just what you got to go with. So, uh, yeah. very cool. Very good tribute right there for mellow. Uh, I can only imagine you with like the double black eyes right here and just like having the yeah. wristbands. I'm going to find the picture. I'll post I'm, I'm, I can't wait. I can't wait. I did post another tweet though, or I'm about to send it having to do with bone Thailand mm. and the commentary that we just talked about. So yeah. Well, everybody Perfect. go make sure to follow Jenna at Viva 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 Diva uh, for sure. Uh, I do think that they will forgive Mello. I do think that the nuggets and, and Mello will reconcile at some point. It's, it's what everybody wants to happen. It is kind of in Mello's court to be like, hey, I would like to... Because there, there is some fault there, right? There is some like, I have no idea why people are still so mad about this. Like, why are you still so mad about this? And like, I don't know. Like, people have a right to be mad when you say you want to go to the big, bright city. And that's fine. Like, people have their, their right there. But now that he's retired, now that you have some distance away from it, it, it does feel like... Denver can like bring him back into the fold, just like they've they've started to bring back George Carl a little bit. Like there's there's definitely some some stuff that they can do. Yeah, remember we used to work for the site that was originally called FireGeorgeCarl.com. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Evan. Yeah, okay. uh, lots of comments here for, for Jenna. Perfect. That's hilarious. <laughs> also, this one, which I I I'm just gonna laugh at. Uh, can you make Jenna's screen bigger and take you off the video? That, oh, that, no, we can make that small. happen. Make Here, hold small. on. Let me see if I can <laughs> see if I can play around with this. Oh no. Um. Yes. So I just posted. I just tweeted that Bone Thailand video. Actually, kind of funny. From the Nuggets Altitude Authentic Store. Oh no. Now it's just me, Ryan. <laughs> I can't even hear you. <laughs> uh. Uh. Altitude Authentics, baby. That's <laughs> so. Yeah, oh check God. out the video. It was mad disrespectful, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. All right. Well, that that was Jenna's thoughts on Carmelo Anthony. Everybody, make sure to uh, go bother her if she's uh, if she, she if you don't like her her mellow takes. But I, I think that they're That's perfectly so reasonable. Totally understand. Argue with me. I actually like it because then I learned like why other people don't like him, you know, versus just being like, why are you just being a hater? You know, no, tell me why you don't like him. I get it. I feel like both, I see both sides of this argument. Yeah. But I still think he deserves like mad love. He was still a huge part of this league. So um. at this point, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you 100% on it. All right, everybody, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to chat just a little bit and wrap up on Celtics heat. And then Jenna's got some takes on the Miami heat, especially should be interesting. But first, a message from Sandy Clough and Sean Drotar. Hi, I'm Sean Drotar. This is Sandy Clough. Make sure you catch us from 2 to 4 p.m. every day on Mile High Sports, especially now, Sandy, as the Nuggets have the best chance ever to win an NBA title. It's basically the old Nuggets all the time, at the present time. But we talk all sports from 2 to 4 every day. That's right. Every team, every day, right here at Mile High Sports. 
right. I appreciate everybody for hanging out. Make sure to give this a like if you are watching along on the YouTube side. And make sure to go follow Jenna on all of her socials as well. Jenna's putting out TikTok videos. Jenna's putting out Instagram clips. And she got a lot, got a lot of great content out there that I'm sure everybody will want to consume, especially if you're a Nuggets fan. Like Jenna, she caters to the Nuggets audience for sure. So Make and sure if you love shame. sports betting, if you like, if you want to put out a good, good Nuggets parlay that'll actually win, come find me. Jenna's got a good record. She's had a good record all year. That's that's exactly what you're looking for when you're looking for a sports betting expert. And Jenna knows her stuff. She's uh, she's got the numbers, and we talk about this a lot when we're at the games. And then Jenna, she's she's got it down to a science on on exactly when to bet certain numbers of threes and numbers of assists and things like that. It's the, it's the perfect. Perfect. So, so. <laughs> well, right. luckily Ryan tolerates my like ever, ever hopeful. Like I believe in them so much. I made most of my money betting probably in the bubble because I just knew this team was going to come back. And I said it at the end of game two up in the press box. Most of the people up there that night around me were TV people, and they all were like, "Oh no, not, the Lakers are good in this one." The Lakers are getting this one. And I was like, do not doubt this team. Let me promise you one thing. Do not doubt this team, especially not at home. What are you talking about? So I knew that they were going to play this well, but I mean, you need it too. And we always believed. And we know there are some of the people in our own press box who doubted them. There's a lot. There's a lot of folks. And I think that's a part of that is just the nug life that's taken over for everybody. Like, uh, there's there's a lot of people that don't believe that Denver's in this position, and they're still they're still pinching themselves, trying to wake up a little bit from from this actual moment. So it is cool. It's cool to be on the other side of it, and, and hopefully Nuggets fans can survive and like actually get to see this this uh, this all the way through. So should be good. Um, let's wrap up though. Uh, Jenna's thoughts on Celtics Heat. This is this is how I titled this, and and we can go any number of different directions, but. I know that you were a believer in the Heat. You always thought that with, with Jimmy and Bam that they have the they have the capability to do it. But once they drop to the eight spot again like in the playoff picture, I'm like, okay, they're 44 and 38 during the regular season. They lost a game to, gosh, who who did they lose to? The Atlanta? Like they lost to Atlanta in the in the playoff yeah. game. Like, yeah, what are you guys doing? Like, there's there's no doubt they should have probably been out well before this based off of what they did during the regular season. But that's just what they do is they, they turn up during the playoffs. And I, I think you're, you're right on that. Yeah. Uh, they hustled us during the regular season because they were the worst three point shooting team. And then they go and become the best in the playoffs. Like, y'all, I know you, I know you were messing with us like yeah. because that's just not possible. Like we've been told over and over, there's no switch. And yes, Jimmy Butler has a switch. If anyone has a switch, it's got to be him. But um, I was out on them at that after they lost to Atlanta. I was like, no, I can't, I can't. They're not going to compete with Denver because that's what I've watched as much as I've, you know, probably second most is Heat. But I've watched so much of Denver that I just they didn't seem like they could. After that game against Atlanta, I was like, that team just can't score, and that's still my thought about that team. Like they're low scoring team. We just saw the other low-scoring team in the Western Conference Finals, and they blew them out in water. You know, like the Lakers had a lot of low-scoring games that, you know, because their defense, their defense stops, gets stuck. Right. But it, the the Heat do too, um, and I still think like what they're doing is either just a crazy streak, 
like hot streak that you, it's just maybe last night was they're getting cold, you know? Like if you had been betting Jimmy Butler 30 plus and the win up until this point, you're pretty much winning until yeah. last night, you know? So, uh, I don't know. Maybe they're tailing off. Maybe they're running out of gas, but I have liked that team. I have been impressed with what they do in the playoffs. I think they're incredibly outsized if they have to play the Nuggets next round. Like Michael Porter Jr. is just gonna like his, his Max Struess is like at that guy's belly button, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like who's that other guy? Gabe Vincent. He's probably like sitting at like yeah, his, Mike's belly button, and uh, that when he like goes up, you know, like he's definitely going to shoot right over those two. So guys like that, that I think that are, they're just way, the Nuggets are way too big for them and they have way too much offense. Like even if they do get stops, Bam is not the best defender against Jokic either. Like, so I don't know. I guess Kevin Love maybe put out there and see if he can do something. That's good not luck. not doing much on offense. Yeah. Because one of the big differences between a guy like Kevin Love and a guy like Rui Hachimura is like, Rui's still strong. He's got that like he's Young. he's in his physical prime right now, and yeah. and just like he, this is what he's built for. Like he's he's built like somebody who can really take that punishment physically from a bigger player, but also have the athleticism to go quickly, go around them, and and make them work. Uh, Kevin Love doesn't have that. Like Kevin Love, he is not strong enough, and he also just like he doesn't have the mobility that a guy like Rui does to actually make Jokic work a little bit. And I, I I just, I don't believe it. I do not believe in their vision. And it's tough because like I, everything that my, my eyes were telling me about the heat was like, this is not like a, a great team. This is an average to good team. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't know how much to put on their success versus the rest of the Eastern conferences failure. Like I know mm-hmm. that that's like, it's kind of disingenuous to what the Heat have done, but like the Bucks collapsed. Like they 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 totally had a great defense during the regular season and then absolutely collapsed because the team decided to to make some outside shots and the Bucks were like, we don't know what to do with this. Like Denver knows what to do with that. And like the Boston Celtics well, forgot to dribble. Like they, they forgot to dribble for half of the series. Like, come on. Right. Right. And I know you've heard the narrative about like oh, the Nuggets better not move on to the finals just to lose to an eight seed, you know? And I'm like, this is not even uh, this is not even close. The Eastern Conference needs to pay for its sins because they've been telling us that they were a better conference than the West all season long. Yeah. And it's just absolutely not true. Uh, you have to take into account with the Bucks too, like Giannis' injury, the fact that maybe they put Giannis on Jimmy Butler, you know, instead of Drew if he wasn't injured because that worked for them literally last year. So it's not like they forgot about that. Also what the coach was going through with his brother passing and everything. Like, of course that stuff, like, like scientifically people will come on here and tell me that I'm making excuses for the team, but scientifically like stress impedes your ability to do your job. Well, sure. It makes it, and they're in really high pressure situations that we don't give them. Like these games are very high stakes. You know, there's shit tons of money being bet on them. You know, like for example, me. Uh, so like I would be pissed too. You know, if like they're not gonna play or they're not gonna give their all or whatever. You know, sometimes I'm like, how? How? Tell me how? I you know, 
who I bet on, whatever I bet on that night. But um, Aaron Gordon's over in game one. God. It was at eight and a half, Ryan. Eight and a half. He couldn't go over eight and a half. That Damn. killed me. You know? So, like, oh. Um, hilarious. But, you know, like, there's there's a lot going on with that team. And stress does impede, like, your ability to make good decisions, too, or make the right decision to focus all of those things. Like, I feel like most people know that. But we act like we don't know that with these guys. We act like they should be superhuman because they get paid a lot of money. But actually, they're just humans who get paid a lot of money. That's that's a great point. And, like, I think part of the part of the mystique of being around athletes a lot of the time when you're doing this job is that you realize that, yeah, athletes are actually human sometimes and they have human traits and they – all eat and they all sleep and they all have their own like likes and dislikes. And some of that's a little bit different from like everyday fans, but a lot of it's not like a lot of it is like these guys are, are very similar and it just, it is, it is interesting to think about it from uh, like a, like a Bruce Brown, like we were talking about before the pod, like he's very much an everyday uh, Nuggets fans' favorite player because he's, he's exactly like him. It just just does does it that exact way. So, gonna be interesting to see like how that translates. I'm I'm very curious. Like, who would you rather see if you're if you're Denver right now? I think you'd rather see the Heat. The Celtics have just too much, too many other things kind of going in their favor. Let alone the momentum if they actually do this and come back from being three zero. Uh, we did talk about how, like, there's only one day in between them wrapping up a game seven and then playing the first game of the finals. So, you know, the, and the Nuggets have blown out in game ones all this right. entire postseason. So, like, you know, the Nuggets are winning game one, but still, like, there's maybe that first game win by the Nuggets kills and squashes that momentum for them. But Jason Tatum is a great scorer. He's, he's a phenomenal scorer. I know that he's had ups and downs. That's pretty normal for a young, young athlete. You know, sure. like we want him to be more consistent, to be great. And guess what? I'm good with it because Jamal's been consistent and Joker's been consistent. So, yeah. um, and you know, you got better defenders. You got great defenders on the heat too, but you have like a, be- a better matchup for Jamal, um, in, in the Celtics, like Marcus Smart. Stephen Brogdon, um, if you're looking at that bench unit, what do you think? Eric White for them too is is another guy that I'd, I'd point out. He's he's been great defensively for them, and like there's there's an interesting thing like Derek White back with the San Antonio Spurs. That was Murray's kind of welcome to the NBA playoffs kind of moment that had to fight through that for sure. But doesn't mean that Derek White can't have success against him now. Yeah, but I do think like either way the Nuggets win the series. Like the Celtics. Are yeah, they've been like knocking at this door a couple times, but like we said, the Eastern Conference is not as strong as the West, so they have easier paths to get there too, you know. And um, and obviously they've had less injury. I mean, Robert Williams is had the new thing, right? Yeah. But other than that, but no, like most of it's been it's been pretty straightforward for for both the Heat and the Celtics. Like the Celtics had to battle back from being down 3-2 against the Sixers. Um, but as we kind of know, the Sixers are frauds. So, like, that's just not... Hey, man. Yeah, it's just not like, hey, 
I mean, this, this is just kind of how it is. And that's just, just what the Eastern Conference does. But uh, if they are able to battle back from 3-2 and then in the next series battle back from 3-0, that to me does show some like resolve that even if Denver was able to get up in the series, like it's just never going to be over until it's over. So I, yeah. I think with the if, if you can if you can go at the heat, I think that's probably a better matchup for Denver for sure. But uh, I like you said, I still think that they win the series if it's against the Celtics, but it would be a battle and it would be tough. Yeah, yeah. And teams that go to a seven-game series typically lose the next series. Like yeah. we, we saw that. We saw Golden State do that with the Lakers. Um, even the Lakers fans will tell you they went through the former champs, you know, the reigning champs. And I'm like, yeah, after a game set, come on, guys, a seven-game series. Not the same thing. Those teams are typically depleted, like over history, pretty big numbers. I forget. Um, but Matt was saying it. It's like fifty-five and a something. But yeah. way, way more often are losing that series, that following series. Which that that's a big deal for this, and they will have a little bit of a break if they're able to win Game Six. But like you said, if they if they go to a Game Seven, and whoever whoever it is that actually wins that Game Seven. Denver will have a benefit. Now, it would be better for Denver just because so they could stay home for games one and two if, if the Heat were to win. But if the Celtics do win, then you've got to go to TD Garden and actually have to win one of those road games at least. That's uh, that's some pressure. Like now winning game one there, probably not that crazy uh, just with, uh, with the actual energy that they've had to expend. But I, I do think that that's a, that's a very fair point. Um, so... So have to see how it goes. Uh, who do you think is actually going to win, though? Like, just give me give me your takes. Celtics down three two, but they've got the momentum going into Miami. Do you think Miami responds in Game Six, or is this going seven? And, and give me your pick. I think it's definitely. I have the, either the Heat and six or the Heat and seven, but I think the Heat mm. come out of it. I just think the Celtics like mess around too much. You know, like yeah. they they're not always locked in. Maybe they'll like figure that out. They look a lot better last night, but it's they're gonna give you a couple quarters where they're just like caught off guard. And if Jimmy can actually continue to be productive, although last night really had me doubting. This was my pick before last night, and now that I'm thinking about after what I watched, 14 points from Jimmy, my god, like killing me. But also, I wanted to say the whole home court thing—that's so whack. That they get the, if we go to Boston, they have home court advantage. They were the number two in the East, but still better record overall. They really need to go start doing that only if it's like a, okay, it's a one seed, one seed in the final, you know, or two seed, two seed. Then we'll go to record. But like, what are we talking about? The West is a tougher conference and they were number one seed and they're two seed, you know? You it is to, interesting. It's, play it's more East Coast games. Yeah. More like East I, Coast teams, softer teams. No offense, but offense. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I've never really thought about that. Like I, I always thought that it was just logical to have the team with the best record, like have that as an option. But I, I mean, it would make it simpler. That's for sure. If they're like, Hey, you have the one seed, you are going to like get home court. Like that's just, that's just how it's going to be. But, uh, it, it would like, I think it's kind of to protect like, Hey, Miami last year had like 53 wins, 52 wins, something like that. What if the Nuggets had like, 58 wins and were the two seed this year, but played the 60 win one seed and actually won it. Like it would be, it would be tough for them to also have to go on the road despite having like five fewer wins than uh, the, the team across from them. But I don't know. Like it's, I, 
I think that Denver, they've proven that they can win on the road. They've proven that they can win at home. Like they, they don't have to win too many road games, but if they do have to go on the road against the Celtics, then uh, that's going to be, that's going to be a storyline. I think like they'll have to defend yeah. home court and they'll have to steal one on the road. And that's just probably how the series would go. Yeah. I hope so. so. I mean, I know that they're the better team, you yeah. know? Yeah. No, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to see how it goes, but I am curious. I'm curious to see how, how they end up play, playing out. I think I'll have, I think I'll take the Celtics for being honest. I think the momentum is going to go that direction, but to me, it is also very difficult to see the Celtics like functioning correctly for four straight games. Like that's not, there's, there's a lot like they, they need to earn back some of that credit. Like they may just struggle in game six. And it, it also is one of those things. Jimmy, you mentioned him having 14 points. He only took 10 shots in this last game. I think that part of that was calculated. I'm not going to lie. I think that part of that was like, hey, we may not be able to win this on the road. Let's try to get the one at home, and I'll take 25 shots at home. Right, and let's keep our our role players hot, like keep dishing them the ball so that they stay in rhythm. Maybe. Potentially, for sure. We will see. We will see. But Jenna? It's been a pleasure to be able to talk to you once again. Uh, your second appearance on the video version of Pickaxe and Roll. I'm a regular now. You are a regular, and it will Can't not be the last. Me. So <laughs> we'll uh, we'll have plenty of time for sure to discuss it. But uh, folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Uh, Jenna, what you working on right now at Clutch Points, and, and where can people find your work? Ooh, you can follow us at Clutch Points on YouTube or Instagram, and of course at Viva Viva Diva on all of the social media platforms. But I just did a comparison video on Jamal and Michael Jordan. That's pretty awesome. Of course, like how could you not love a Nuggets fans? That's the exact content you're hoping for. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. Make sure to hit that like button on the way out. Uh, I'll be on with Swipa tomorrow at 11 a.m. We're going to do weekends with Swipa. Should be a fun show. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys tomorrow.